السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم This blessed month of Rajab which is a month that we all know by now that our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless and he would also ask the upcoming month, the blessed month of Sha'ban. He would ask Allah to bless this month. And the hope is, is that if we receive blessings in these months, these two months in particular, that we will be prepared for the entrance of Ramadan. And Ramadan sneaks up on us very quickly. And don't think that Ramadan begins when you take eat suhoor and you start fasting the actual first day. Ramadan actually begins at Maghrib time the night before. And so we, yes, Ramadan is a month of fasting. But Ramadan is a madrasa that there are a number of other acts of obedience that we also do. So right when Maghrib enters is when Ramadan begins, the night before the first fast. So we need to be ready. And one of the greatest ways that we can prepare is to make a sincere tawbah to Allah, a sincere repentance from all of our sins, all of our sins. But in particular, and this is what I want to touch upon today and for the upcoming sessions, we're going to pause a little bit, some of our discussion around spiritual chivalry to prepare for Ramadan in this particular way. We especially need to repent and to make tawbah for the sins that we committed between us and other people. This is of the utmost importance. One of the greatest ways to spoil the blessings of Ramadan is to have something in your heart against your fellow Muslim. It will veil you from the mercy of Allah. One of the greatest ways to spoil receiving mercy in all of the blessings of Ramadan is to hold a grudge in your heart towards your fellow Muslim. Is to have that problems between you and another Muslim is to argue with another Muslim. We all know that our Prophet came out to inform people of Laylatul Qadr. He sees two people arguing, it was lifted. Argumentation, differing, that holding grudges, that not giving people their rights, this is a serious problem. It's like having a bucket that has holes in it. It comes in and then it goes right out. And so we don't want this to happen in the blessed month of Ramadan. And anything that you want to build, there's no way to build anything that's real that will truly bring about benefit if it is not glued together by that fellow believers giving them each other, e making sure that they give everybody else their rights. And I want to say at the outset, some of the things that we're talking about don't let your mind think, why was he thinking, of, why is he talking about this now? What prompted him to speak about this? What happened? Who told him what? No. Don't let shaitan whisper in your mind. This is about you and I. I'm speaking to my sinful soul, first and foremost, of everything that we're going to talk about. I'm speaking to myself, first and foremost. And I'm speaking to my own household. And I'm speaking to that my fellow brothers and sisters that we're living with here. And that anyone else who wants to benefit from that if there's any benefit in what we have to say. 
because that, as Imam Haddad says, من أكد الحقوق المسلم على المسلم that from the most emphasized rights, from the greatest of the rights, is nasiha, giving it good advice, sound, sound, sincere advice. And everything that we want to talk about, I advise my own self with first and foremost, and my own household, the people that I'm living with, and the ummah of our Prophet ﷺ, because this is that his inheritance. So we want to prepare for Ramadan making sure that we give every believer their right. Now, there's a lot of people that have rights, so we're not going to talk about all the rights of everyone. We're going to focus upon the rights that your fellow believers have over you. And some of these rights have the legal ruling of being wajib, and some of them might have the legal ruling of being, the few of them that have the legal ruling of being recommended. I wouldn't look at them at a, as a through a legal lens. I would look at it simply as this is something you have to do. Allah has made it a right of your believer. Some of the things that we the things that we're going to be talking about, and if someone that has a right, that we're not doing them a service by giving them their right. We're simply doing what it is that we have to do. That if we show ihsan, that's a different thing. And as we will see here, these rights are the starting point. Not the end. Giving fellow believers their rights is where you start, not where you end. There's no degrees to the level of ihsan that you can show and the level of excellence and the level of preferring others over your own self and the very lofty spiritual meanings, many of which that we're learning about when we talk about spiritual chivalry. This forms the bedrock of all of our interactions with human beings. And we need to remind ourselves that the most difficult sins of all are the sins that transpire between us and other people. Those are difficult because if someone else doesn't forgive you, Allah won't forgive you unless an exception is made that you don't have an ability to seek that person's forgiveness and you give charity on their behalf, that you turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask them to make that person content with you and so forth and so on. But the tabi'at are more serious. Allah will forgive you of your sins if you make a sincere tawbah with the sin that's between you and Him. But it is a prerequisite for the acceptance of your repentance for other people to forgive you. And this is why those who we're all living amongst here in this community and those who will be hearing this and whoever will hear this even after this, and anyone you're living among, let's all collectively make tawbah and ask Allah to forgive us for all of the mistakes that we made, but specifically for not fulfilling each other's rights or transgressing against one another or wronging one another or saying something bad about one another and so forth and so on for everything that's transpired. And that's also in the same breath that forgive everyone in one go, no matter what's been done. Let's go and move into Sha'ban and then Ramadan with a clean slate and a clean heart, completely forgiving everyone for anything that they've done, even if it's been great. And it's harder and takes more courage to forgive people when the transgression is great. Let's go with a clean slate. Why do we want to have a hole in our spiritual bucket 
when we go into Ramadan? Why do we want to that have something prevent us from receiving Allah's mercy? Every single one of us, if we all collectively do this, then there will be immense blessing in it. And just as was previously mentioned, just as it's one of the quickest ways to spoil that some khair that's happening and some good that's happening, it's also one of the strongest ways of all to build something on solid foundations. If you want good to spread, it's in these meanings. And this is one of the greatest reasons why the companions were able to do what they did and why Allah brought so much change and transformation on their hands because they understood this. And one of them who came from a very prideful tribe in the Jahili period, when he realized when he made a mistake, put his cheek on the ground. And the person that he had wronged that wanted him to make sure that he stepped on his cheek. Who could do that? Who could do that? If you would have known the tribe that Abu Dhar was from, what Ghifari could do that? But this is someone who grew up through the tarbiyah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he realized that he still had remnants of jahiliyyah in his heart. And he put his cheek on the ground. And Sayyidina Bilal did not want to step on his cheek. And I've even heard my teacher say is that he had already forgiven him from the time that he even said it. And uh, I've heard also that he was weeping when he had to actually do it. But he insisted. Who could do that? Who could do that? Look at what the companions were able to do. Look at how that they were one solid unit despite their diversity, despite their different temperaments, despite their different inclinations. They were one. And they were one through Rasulullah And this is how we all have to be. And there's a way to do it. It's not impossible. Don't let shaitan whisper in your heart and think this is something we can't attain. If you want to go live by yourself, then that's a whole other discussion we have to have about all of the wasawas that's going to come to your heart for trying to be alone. If you think, if you haven't learned through Corona how hard it is to be alone and how much you need a community and brothers and sisters and friends, I don't know when you're going to learn it. If we haven't learned that over this past year, it's been about a year now since we've had to limit and even go online at certain times for some of these gatherings. If we haven't learned that by now, then I don't know when we're ever going to learn it. We have to realize one of the etiquettes is that you realize you're actually in need of your brother. You're in need of your sister. That you don't think that you can function ultimately without them. So what does Hujjat al-Islam Imam Ghazali say? And this is taken from his book, Adab al-Suhbah, the book of the Ihya that deals with the etiquettes of companionship. And it's been translated. And it's worth reading. Everything that we're going to be talking about are simply the rights of the Muslims. And again, we're not talking about the rights of brotherhood. That's something else entirely. Those are harder. Those are loftier. There's more requirements there. This is the baseline that we don't have any choice. We can't sink below. And this is what sh shaitan wants us to do. Is that he wants us to transgress against each other. He wants us to not be able to see one another or to even sit in the same room as one another. These ridiculous notions. 
This is exactly what shaitan wants to do. He wants to spoil any type of good right at its heart, right at the very the center of that good. And that's how he does it, is by pitting people against one another and putting waswasa in this person's mind and waswasa in this person's mind. And then I'm not going to forgive him. I didn't do anything wrong. Then he's going to get you to be arrogant and that, that not try to give people rights and demand your own rights. He knows exactly. He's a master at leading people astray. He knows exactly how to spoil everything. But his plot is weak. We are the ones that shouldn't listen to him. And again, don't think in your mind I'm talking about anyone in particular. I'm speaking to myself and then anyone who wants to listen. Think that we should be looking at our own selves. Do not think, oh yeah, see, he doesn't fulfill that right. She doesn't fulfill that right. Apply this solely to yourself. Don't think about other people. Think about your own self. And this is real. This is not a joke. This is real. We're going to be standing before Allah on the Day of Judgment. And guess what? The more rights that people have on us, the longer we're going to have to stand on the plane of judgment until that it's taken care of. This is serious. This is not a joke. And Imam Ghazali says that no, that either a human being can be alone or he could be with other people. He says that most people, essentially is what he says, is that we'll be mixing with other people and spending time with other people. So he says it's a must for him to learn the adab and mukhalata. What are the various etiquettes that you must have when you interact with people? And he said that everyone you interact with, there is a particular adab, an etiquette that goes along with that particular interaction. And he said the etiquette must be given, the adab, ala qadri haqqah, must be shown according to the degree of that person's right. And that right is according to the degree of the connection based upon that interaction. And he says, These connections are either something that's familial, it's part of your family. And he says that this is the most specific type of connection. And the most expansive type of connection is the brotherhood of Islam, your fellow brother and sister Muslim and Muslimah. So we're talking about now, and what the meaning of that is, is that everything that's an obligation and recommended from the most expansive right that Allah has given to every believer is that also a right upon those that get closer and closer to you by way of family. So everything that we're talking about in terms of the general believer obviously relates to all of the degrees of those of, of that are within the Brotherhood of Islam and also anything that relates to family. And then there's certain things that might relate to family that don't necessarily relate to your brother Muslim. And it could relate at a higher level of brotherhood, but not as a general right of Islam. And so he then says that then you have all of these other types of relationships, brotherhood, friendship, companions, neighbors, people you travel with, 
people, you, your classmates, people you work with, and so forth and so on. And so what he does in this book is he goes through and explains all of the different rights that all of these different categories of people have and how that some of them are greater than others. There's degrees involved here. And that the closer the connection, the greater the right. The greater the right, the more etiquette that has to be shown. So Imam al-Haddad radiallahu anhu is someone, of course, who is that deeply steeped in the scholarship of Hujjat al-Islam al-Ghazali. He summarizes it. And this is what we're going to end on today is just a general summary of the importance of this. As he says, know that the rights of Muslims upon other Muslims are many. And he said, if you want to uphold them in the way they should be upheld, Imam Haddad, this is what he does. He's given us a general principle that will apply to each and every single one of the detailed rights that we will speak about. He said what? The golden rule. That interact with them in a way when you're before them and with them in person and behind their backs in a way that you wish that they would interact with you. Treat others how you want to be treated. You don't like something, why do you do it towards someone else? And then he goes on to say, وَجَاهَدْ nafsik, وَوَطِّنْ قَلْبَكْ Strive against your ego, your lower soul, and force yourself عَلَىٰ أَن تُحِبْ لَهُمْ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ مَا تُحِبْنِ نَفْسِكْ To love good for them the way that you like good for your own self. If we would just follow what he's saying here, it would suffice. It would be easy to give everyone their rights. This is right at the heart of the matter. And then he says, And you dislike for them that from evil what you dislike for your own self. It's almost sometimes is that we want people to, it's almost like we want people to fail. It's almost like we want there to be problems. That's lowly. And it's not the way of our Prophet Wasallam. None of you truly believe until he believes, until he wants for his brother that which he wants for himself in one narration of good. You're not a true believer according to the words of the Prophet meaning you're not a true believer until you want for people what you want for your own selves. And we sometimes forget this when problems happen. We sometimes forget this when there's a miscommunication or someone transgressed the bounds and forgets because we're damaged, we're harmed. And we have to remember this. If we uphold that, i.e., we try to, before we say anything about anyone or do anything in any relationship that we have, just to bring to our mind, wait, how would I want other people to interact with me? And again, we all fall short in this. And, and this is why we're talking about this in Rajab. May Allah forgive us. But let's think about it. Let's spend time thinking about this. And before we do something, wait, 
how would I want someone to interact with me if I was in that position? That if like that particular trait of mine became public, how would I want what would I want people to do about that? If that people started to that know something about my life, how would I want people to interact with that? That if that I made a mistake or that I and I wanted to apologize to someone. How would I want that person to act towards my apology towards them? And on and on and on. In all of the different scenarios. And then secondly, genuinely wanting good for each other. This is so basic, but you know, one of the things I was speaking to Hakim Sunim Khan, he said something so beautiful the other day. And as he was preparing for all of these webinars that he was doing, to help people have alternative ways of protecting themselves from that COVID, he said that he realized that oftentimes that people keep reading and keep studying and keep preparing for talks just to that feed people that are consuming information. And he said, and the reality is, and he's speaking in the context of medicine, but it applies outside of medicine. Most of what you say, people aren't going to remember or put into practice. And it would be better for them just to take a few simple things and put it into practice than for you to speak about all of these detailed things and have it just go out in one ear and out the other. In other words, back to the basics. Back to the basics, the building blocks. We're all in need of this at all times. And that was a very profound statement. And especially when it comes to medicine, it's better that you make just a couple changes in your diet, a couple changes in your lifestyle, than to know all about the details of medicine. Anyhow, that, that same thing applies here. We got to go back to the basics. And then he quotes a couple other hadith, is that the Muslim to the Muslim is like a building. They're supposed to strengthen one another. The walls of a building strengthen that building. And we know that the Prophet said, so I said him, that we're supposed to be like one body. If part of the body is sick, is it, it affects the other part of the body. And what our Prophet said is that it leads to that staying up at night in a fever. And then in closing, he quotes that Sayyidina Yahya ibn Mu'adhi says, if you cannot benefit believers, at least... Don't harm them. And if you can't make them happy, at least don't make them at least don't make them sad. And he said that if you can't help them in some way, at least don't cause them problems. If you can't praise them, then at least don't criticize them. If that's all we knew and we just implemented that, it would be sufficient. But inshallah, over the next few weeks, we'll look at some of the individual rights of the believer. And in every week, we're going to remind ourselves to let go. Forgive people. Let go. Don't hold grudges. That Be introspective. See what you've done if there's an issue that you have with any particular individual. See what your part in that is. Maybe you could change something or need to change something about yourself. Maybe it, it relates to you. If we can think like that, you strive to give other people their rights and to show ihsan towards them. They strive to give your rights and to show ihsan towards you. You blame yourself. 
and love good for them. They blame themselves, and that won't good for you. How could anything ever come between two believers? Even if they're very different. Even if that they are that on opposite sides of the temperament spectrum. May Allah Taala give us tawfiq and uh, forgive us all. Ya Rahmatul Rahmin and bless us to realize the greatness of the right of the person who says La ilaha illallah. It's greater than the Kaaba itself. The sanctity of a believer is greater than the Kaaba itself. May Allah Taala bless us to realize that and to strive to give our brothers and sisters their rights in a way that is that. Uh, pleasing to him subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us in the month of Rajab and Sha'ban bless us to reach Ramadan and to forgive us of all of our sins Ya Arhamur Rahmin to prepare our hearts to receive his mercy in Ramadan and the blessing of Ramadan and the good of Ramadan and everything he bestows upon the elect of Ahlullah ilaha in the month of Ramadan inshallah it will be a month of healing and a month of immense blessing upon us and upon the ummah of La ilaha illallah inshallah ta'ala from the blessings that we experience is that it will also inshallah ta'ala that lead to many people in these lands being guided bi'idhni ta'ala وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم الحمد لله رب العالمين